Oh, yeah. Welcome back to a Night Shift Football Red Edition. Adelaide United are back and they're going to win everything. They're going to win all of it. They're going to win this. They're going to go on to win the grand final. They're going to go on to win the Asian, uh, what do you call it, Asian Champions League. Then they're going to go to the Club World Cup and pump Man City. It's all happening. And it all starts with Carl Viet changing to a 4-2-2-2 of sorts. Uh, Tommy's away. No Tom this week. He's having a break. Uh, Cooper is here. How you doing, man? Good, Sam. How are you? I'm excellent. We've already just had a chat because we just recorded <laughs> a uh, a green pod. I'll call it a green pod. Episode 137 of the normal weekly pod. We talked about the Premier League, all that's happening there. Um, but we're going to talk about Adelaide and finally with a bit of a positive spin because it's been a while since we had a win and a really good win, a much needed one at home. In my head, it was 3-0, but I forgot that Newcastle scored. My memory on the game is a little hazy. It was a big night. Um I guess we'll start with the lineup here, though, because it's. I would say this is a pretty significant change for Carl. One of the biggest criticisms we have with him on this pod is that he doesn't seem to have a plan B. Uh, we rock up, we saw the lineup, and we thought, oh, no, what's happening here? Is this just going to be Klopp on the right wing, Jovanovic on the left? But it wasn't. It was two strikers and a kind of four in midfield or a 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, for the first time in... Four years, I believe it is, Adelaide United. Colby pretended to be a football manager, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. <laughs> um, it's the first shape change we've seen from Carl, and like he said in his interview, it was a complete change in formation, and and they sat down during the week and sort of discussed how it wasn't working, yep. um, and they just thought we needed something else. But I think the two strikers together was so good. We said that during the week that what's the Hiroshi probably needs to start, and what's the point of having... Luca up there if we're just going to have him run around and bust yep. his gut for no reward. And then we saw the young striker start next to the experienced guy and, and Clough return to a a more natural position than the wing for him. Um, and it, it just seemed to work well. 31 shots in this game for Adelaide. So from an attacking sense, it worked well. And I thought the defence was just so much more solid. With Obviously, we've been pretty happy with Popper and Ansel. But having that almost, I don't think it is, but almost double pivot of Tunner Cliff and Isaias, I thought worked really well. Yeah, definitely. We were screaming out for Tony Cliff as well, weren't we? Like using a, these international spots, having him just not play is not good enough. And it looked pretty good. Ryan and Izzy in there together, running the midfield. Do you think, was it um, was it a case of Clough and Yale playing wide or were they just playing in front of those two? Like a, a double, bit, a double, double pivot. A little bit wider than those two, but not as wide as some people have made it out to be. I think a lot not, of people they weren't, just... They weren't like wide, like right or left midfield, were they? they I, were I, th- of... I think the best example of people trying to, for people trying to see what this shape looked like is if you go back to the Paramount stream and watch the 10 seconds before kickoff, the way that the team was stood yeah. while they were waiting for the kickoff to be taken was so <laughs> narrow. We got... And as soon as we saw it, we were like, boys, <laughs> We got some there's excitement. There's a shape change. It's not we a got full... some excitement out of that, didn't we? Like, oh my God, look where they're setting up. We're on here. Yeah. Yeah, Big no, fan. I, was, I was really happy with it. Uh, I think jury's still out. Victory, we've said, are probably the best team in the league and, and we have to go there this week. And Yeah. I mean, I hope that Carl sticks to this shape and, and, and doesn't rejig it just to get... My worry with this is that Carl is going to get to a point where he wants to get Nesta, probably rightfully so, back in this lineup, but he might feel like he has to rejig the shape to fit Nesta in. I would like to see us go and go and play against victory this week in this structure because it did seem to be a lot more defensively sound than the 4-3-3 we've been playing. And it, I think jury's still out in a sense of was it really good or was it just Newcastle? Yeah, I agree. Um, just on Nestor, I think like 
as important as he is to this side, if we can find a, a structure that works better and he's not in it, then that's completely fine. Like he, at the end of the day, he's a 17 year old. And, you know, if we have to play a structure that fits him, then that, that ain't right. So uh, there's no, no shame at all in having Nestor, a 17 year old on the bench who can come on if it's not working and then light it up later on in the game. Um, what was the other point you just mentioned? Sorry. Um, was it was it really good or what? Oh, that Newcastle. Yeah, I I thought Newcastle had found maybe not not so much forms, probably not the right word, but they just started to grab a couple of goals. Apostolos Stamatolopoulos getting on the score sheet in the last few weeks, and then we just we pretty well nullified. They had that nice early chance that Jogachi saved early on, um, which, which probably should have been a goal if we we're honest. But aside from that, we weren't too tested, were we? Till they scored late. Yeah, I think uh, I don't think Newcastle are that great. We we sort of looked and we we were looking odds and what we thought about the two teams. We were thinking, oh, we we should beat them at home, but maybe maybe not. And then um, Todd from heaps about nothing sitting next to me before the game, and, and Jared Walsh is reading out the lineups and the graphic for the Newcastle team is on the screen, and we just both looked at each other and went, "We're winning this game. That's yeah, fucking yeah. Hon- that's fucking honking. It's a really it's a really poor." To be team, fair, this, this Newcastle side. Um, to be fair, we did that against Brisbane too. It got even worse when I think Renault Piscopo, who's probably one of their better players, came off injured 15 minutes in, and the absolute hologram that is Trent Bahadja came on for 45 <laughs> minutes before he was taken off again. So he's not good. No, he's not a good footballer, Trent Bahadja. I'm glad that kind of run with him at Sydney ended, and um, just every time. It's just a Sydney thing we have in this country. Every Sydney game, they bring a player through like that. The commentary team are just all over him. And it was literally just because the guy runs fast. And I he literally does, does who, nothing else. Uh, we were talking on the on the Green Pod the other week about, I can't remember who it was, it was a pundit ex-professional footballer saying that people these days are less good at football and more athletic. And I, I don't know, I can't remember for the life of me who it was, but I just wonder if he was sitting there watching Trent Bahadja highlights. It was Owen, was, wasn't it? Yeah, it could be. I think you're right. Might be right. It might be Michael Owen, but he would despise the A League. Oh yeah, he would really hate the A League. Just you're fast, you get a gig. Sometimes that's just the way it feels. Uh, we went into this game also just thinking maybe like, what is if we were to line up in that four three three? What the hell has Bernardo done wrong? You know, he he like it feels like we he's probably earned a start based on the minutes and just based on results i guess the guys that were playing weren't weren't getting it done he had his moments when he's come off the bench obviously he scored that double against city early in the season when we wiped him um but it turns out the shape was different so we'll we'll let Carl off the hook on that yeah i also think with bernardo that um he did a few good things off the bench sort of early in the season yeah. Um. And then he and then he did actually get his opportunity in the starting lineup. He did get his reward, um. Albeit in that flogging against Sydney FC, where no yeah. one was really that great, but he was really really poor in that game. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Luke Dizel moved to the bench, which I think got a cheer from all of us. And Ben Hallen moved to the bench, and I, I guess we're we're pretty happy with it. Like he's. He came on and got a goal in this game and had some nice link up, but he needed that needed that dropping. Yeah, and I think I mean I said it on the podcast last week. Someone actually said to me at the game that it it played out virtually exactly how we spoke about it. That potentially, you know, this could be an opportunity for Ben Halloran to go to the bench, not even as a dropping, but to just come on and and do what we've done with Nesta so long, build his confidence by letting him 
run at tired defenders. You're going to put him out there. Halloran goes out there with 20 minutes to go. He can be confident that he's going to be quick enough to go around the outside of a fullback that's played 70 minutes of football before he, he even got out there. And I thought he did some nice things when he came on, Ben. Um, and he did really well to follow this in because if, if Zach Clough had put this in, this would have been one of the the great Heimarsh goals, the the build-up and a little flick from Nesta and Clough on the half-turn volley. Um, but in in a moment where everyone sort of just froze at the football that was being played, Ben Halloran's done really well to to react, to keep himself on side and then to finish. Yeah, absolutely. Credit where it's due. We, I'll just talk about the other goals now. Uh, but obviously there was that Halloran one, Nestor, with just even when we feel like he hasn't played well or he's hasn't done much in a game, when he, he has these moments and he picks out assists as well as scores goals, um, he won't get credited with an assist for that one, but he probably deserved it. Um, Ibasuki, the first goal. Great to see Ibasuki get a goal. Obviously, we just mentioned how we were looking forward to him probably starting a game. We needed to start him. And starting with Jovanovic didn't deserve to be dropped either. So it was good to see him start as well. And his movement really created the goal. A good run, a great cutback to pick out Ibasuki. Uh, I'm questionable about the VAR off sidelines there, but we'll take it. Yeah. I think the camera angle made it a little bit difficult in the stadium. Looking it never looks the, good. It just it just doesn't look right how we don't have that that camera that yeah. follows, so we can we can have a look at the correct line. But I mean, when they when they draw the lines, you're either on the the right side or the wrong side of it. And yeah, we were on the right side of it this time, and this was just rewards for Hiroshi. But such good play from Luca, and I think he was so chuffed to see this go in because he worked so hard to to get to the byline, and to, it, it's a really perfect pass because it arrives for Hiroshi to not just come onto this in stride, but for, for him to have the opportunity to open his body up and, and get it on his strong foot as well. It, it's a perfectly placed ball from Luca and, and a really good finish from Hiroshi. And it was nice to see the two of them link up because I think we wondered whether it would work and to see it take less than 15 minutes to combine for a goal was really positive. Yeah, definitely. Um, the next goal as well, we got the, the was the penalty. I can't remember who won. Did Clough win the penalty? Or was it Johnny uh, somebody won a penalty? Anyway, I, I had a big, big night. I don't think we can understate how big a night we had there. It was our one big sender at Adelaide United for the season. So my memory is so hazy, but got the pen. Um, Was it there? It, it was a pen, wasn't it? But- yeah. Yeah, it was a pen. Uh, there wasn't much argument from them, and yeah. VAR wasn't needed to be involved. Um, that- weirdly, the replay to me looked made it look less like a pen than it was, but I think like they didn't argue or complain. It was just a bit of a weird situation. Yeah, um, and Cluffy Boy, for as good as he's been, he got away with one here. Um, wasn't a good penalty, and if he'd got it any better than he did, it probably would have been saved. It's one of those yeah. awkward penalties that because he hit it so poorly, it just it made it so hard for for the keeper who who went the right way, Ryan Scott, but just one of those ones where he had to reach under his his moving body and it's just too hard to get your hands back down yeah, there. Yeah, they are like, I know you're a goalkeeper now and I used to be a goalkeeper, but like they they, they are just, people will look at it and say you should have saved it because it's close to you, but it just catches you so off guard. And that's not just from penalties. It happens in lots in those sorts of situations where you've got the whole goal and you're, you're either going full stretch or you're staying where you are. So anything in between that can really catch you off guard. And it happened there. Clough, was he our best on ground again? Is that Clough? Um, but he was very close. I, I thought Giuseppe Bovolina was absolutely superb in this game. He covered so much ground on, on that right side. Uh-huh. And I think we we asked eh, sort of how is this going to work with 
is Clough just going to have to drift so wide that he virtually almost plays as a winger because Hiroshi isn't going to be able to cover the ground or have the pace to create mm. the width like Luca will on the other side. But Zach Clough was able to stay so narrow because Giuseppe Bovolina was just up, back, up, back, up, back. Yeah, absolutely. And it was it was brilliant. And I think if we're going to continue to play this shape, he's, for a, for a young guy, only six A-League starts in, he's so important to this team already. I think also, like, in the times um, Bovolina wasn't bombing forward, the only times Clough ended up out, right out on that touchline was when the team itself had collectively moved across the pitch. And so that meant Johnny Yo on the other side was almost uh, level with like the center of the pitch. And then the same the other way, when Johnny Yule had was way out on his touchline, Zach Clough was right inside on the, um, you know, down straight down the middle of the pitch, essentially. Uh, just It just worked really well. Uh, Bovalina getting up and down. It also allowed Kiddo to get up and down, which I think Kiddo has one strength to his game. I'd say, and that is his engine running up and back. Um, and it allowed him to do that as well with with no kind of winger in front of him. I don't know if it helps him defensively. We'll have to see when we come up against a better side. But I think what we can take out of it is definitely through the middle. We looked so much more solid. And if the danger is going to come from the width and then we just have to deal with crosses and stuff, that's a whole lot better than the danger coming straight through the middle of, middle of the park. Yeah, and I think Tom spoke. I think it was Tom that said last week that We've said a million times that Kiro misses Goody because he doesn't have that defensive support from the yeah. winger. He's not going to get that from Nestor O'Halloran. But Tom made the point that Kiddo, for as good as he was last season, also had that double pivot. And at times when he goes and the winger was gone too, he gets get, covered. You'd get easy pull in and cover. But with the midfield we were playing, where we were back to that traditional four three three with the the defensive holding midfield of the box to box and the ten, he didn't. Izzy wasn't able to just leave that vacant yeah. space in the middle and cover him. But now with with the four in the center of midfield and Ryan Tunnicliffe there as well, Isaias was able to get over or Ryan Tunnicliffe was able to get over and you leave that defensive midfielder in the hole still as well. And there's no doubt that Kiddo has that license from Carl to do it and go. And I think, like, I'm not making excuses for Ryan here. He's had a horrible season. Um, But a lot of it, I, I still think there's so much of it. As bad as he has been, structurally, defensively, we have been such a shambles uh, a lot of weeks and that's something that Carl kind of had to figure out as well to help his players if he's going to keep playing him there then that's something he's got to figure out or he just has to take that license away from Ryan and not let him bomb up the pitch like that or you play Javi Lopez there who's smarter maybe that can or that will hold the, the defensive line a bit better I, I think the thing with this structure that works so well as well is this plays into what A-League football is and if we look back at the quality and, and the way players are on this, and we've seen it, Javi Lopez is probably one of the highest level, if not the highest level ever defender to come to Adelaide United. And we've seen him make mistakes diving in and not being able to keep up with players who get to the edge and are too fast and whatnot. I think having that covering midfielder makes so much sense because I don't actually think there's a player in our squad, but in the entire league that I would want to be left on an island defending one-on-one at any point, especially on a consistent basis. Yeah. And I think with the we've asked Bobber and, and even Panache at the start of the season and, and Ryan Kiddo to defend one-on-one at times and they've been, been made to look fools, but that's not necessarily in their market, you know. Um, Bob is a very attacking fullback, but Panash Madania more recently, but Ryan Kiddo years ago, these guys both started their career as wingers. They're not out-and-out natural defenders. They haven't been brought up defending, playing in defensive structures, so they're going to need support. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
I don't know if we've got anything else on this Adelaide win. It was a great win. I think we might move on now to we're looking forward to the next fixture because it is big. We're heading over to Melbourne. It's my first away trip for probably five or six years, I'd say. Um, we're heading over. We've got Melbourne victory. I don't know if you watched the Melbourne derby on the weekend, but I thought victory were pretty good. I, I know you agree with me, and we tend to think that these guys are the, probably the best team in the competition. I don't know if the table generally reflects that right now, but uh, I think they are the best team in this competition. Yeah, I think they are too. I think once they they get their consistent format, they'll be fine. I wonder what the Asian Cup is going to do to them without Bruno Fornaroli, who's been in such good form. Um, But that's how football works. You're going to lose players to not always tournaments, but injuries and whatnot. And if you are as good and they are as good as we think they are, they'll, they'll bring someone in and replace him. Um, Nish and Volupale and and even Chris Economides both came off the bench in this game. So they're not, they're not short of depth, whether the form's there or not. And and it it wouldn't surprise anyone if they found a way to just keep winning. Yeah, definitely. Um, How do we go this week? I think we were, you were hoping we go in with the same structure again. Um, what what we what sort of predictions do you have, or what do you how do you think it'll play out? It's going to be a really tough test. Um, what are you hoping for? I hope we go there and win. But I mean, every time I travel into state and and go and watch us against anyone, especially yeah. especially victory, uh, you go over there hoping that we're going to win. Um, I think I said to Tom on the on the weekend that we have a period coming up now where we play victory, Wellington, Macarthur, and Sydney, and you know. Three of those four teams are in the top five, and we rate it's a tough stretch more than where they are. Um, but it just seems to be such an Adelaide thing where we'll go on this random win streak during the season. And I'm going to be if we go to Melbourne this weekend and we do win, I'm going to be ecstatic. But I'm going to be then so bitterly disappointed that we lost to to Macarthur and and Brisbane Roar and and Sydney when we did. Um, we're capable, and I think that structure is so important because for the first time ever, we saw victory start this derby with both Brimmer and Zizou Mashash in their lineup. Um, and if they both start against United and it's just Izzy or it's just Tunney in that midfield, they're going to be under a lot of pressure for 90 minutes, and I don't think anyone is capable of containing that. So I think this this double pivot and this 4 triple two is so imperative and important, and I'd like to see Kyle stay with it. Yeah, definitely. It's... um. Just looking at the table, like it's just getting a bit worrying, I think. I know we had just had a good win, but I think four of the five teams above us are better than us. Um, I think Wellington are, I know you don't think they're that good, but they are top of the pile and I do think they are a better football football team overall than us. Melbourne Victory, obviously. Western Sydney, definitely. Um, MacArthur, I think, are a good side as much as I dislike this whole extension bullshit franchise club that is just, has no fans or anything, uh, but they are playing good football and they're, they're actually good to watch. Brisbane are the team above us that I don't think are better. But then behind us, we've got Melbourne City who are just starting to come along. Maybe they, they've they've got the players uh, on paper. So if they start to gel, they'll be, they'll be right in there. Central Coast are just starting to click a little bit as well. And I think they're potentially dangerous. And then Sydney, who are 10th and only have nine points, but they... They look so shit, but I still their X their X factors scare me. You know, they're big players like Fabio. Is still, I, I'm expecting to light it up at some point. Um, you know, Lolly Mac, they still have X factor players that can win a game off their own boot on their day, like we saw with Joe Lolly when we played at Highmarsh. Um, but for Melbourne victory this week, I would I would take another draw in Melbourne. I think 
I hate to be that guy again doing the just don't lose. Um, obviously, I want to go there and win, but I'd be pretty happy if we did come away with a point there. Yeah, I think the most important thing for Adelaide United for for what is left of this season, it's obviously still fairly early doors, but it's to turn High Marsh back into a fortress. Um, yeah. We spoke on the podcast last week about how we had to beat Newcastle because we hadn't been good enough at home. Regardless of, of what the, the game was about, we just had to win at home. And if we can win out or close to win out, what is our home games at High Marsh? We'll play finals. Absolutely. And and, yeah. and with the final set up in this country, we've spoken a million times that only one or two things has to go your way and all of a sudden you stumble into a grand final. We saw it with Western United when they won a championship a couple of years ago. And and we've seen it with Adelaide and, and how easily you can get to a semi-final when you don't think you're that good. Yeah. Um, Time you run. Yeah, that's it. And, and as a bonus, if you can win at home, every time you go away to tougher opposition like Melbourne Victory, any points are bonus. So I think you're spot on. If we can if we can come back to Adelaide with a point and we've gone to Melbourne, if we've gone to Victory twice at Amy Park already this season in 10 games and we haven't lost, Colby and the coaching staff will be chuffed. Yep, definitely agree. Uh, let's go with a score prediction for this week just to finish off. Um, give me two all. Two all. I'm going to go two all as well. I was going to go two all and then you stole it. Yeah, we'll go two all. I like it. I'd t- would you take it? You'd be happy with it? Yeah, I'd take it. I'd like... Just depend. I'd, I'd like some goals. I'd love an early goal. I just think... I mean, last time we went there, we got played off the park for the first 45 minutes. And we were very we did. We were lucky to, to still to be in the game. Be in the game at half time. I think if we can go there and play our positive football early and we can find a goal, then anything's possible. Yeah, definitely. If we are going to draw two all, though, I hope it's us that scores the equaliser, not them. It always feels different when they're when like depending on which team scores the equaliser. Um yeah, look forward to it. Let's go. Um stay tuned. Check out our Euro episode. We just talk, recorded. We talked about the Premier League. The fixtures are all over the place, but we're trying to cover it as best we can. And uh we'll see you over in Melbourne, Reds fans, if you're heading over. If not, enjoy the game and hopefully we get a big win over our rivals. Fuck Melbourne. Go the Reds. <laughs>